Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. We call forth these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do. And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise, Men on the Frontline's social media broadcast that encourages, equips, and empowers you to arise as the hero, the warrior, and the champion that God created you to be. You matter, you're important, you have a key role to play for the kingdom and the earth. So thanks for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. And what we're gonna pour into you this week is part three of our Supernatural Power Tool series where you're gonna find out what the third Supernatural Power Tool is God gave you, where you can release heaven into the earth and you can live in the more God that you have been crying out for. But just before we get into Supernatural Power Tool 3, I've got a few announcements for you. Number one, I've got great news, guys. My new book, 31 Decrees of Blessing, has just been released. This is hot off the presses. This is freshly unpacked, just arrived yesterday. This is a devotional, and every day, what is revealed is one of the ways God has blessed and empowered you as a son of God. And you know, we need godly, righteous, empowered Christian men in this world more than ever before. Masculinity is under attack. The response to that should not be us shouting back. The response to that should be what this show is dedicated to, us arising as the heroes, the warriors, the champions, the outstanding husbands, brothers, friends, workers, business owners. Us arising is who we truly are as men of God. And every single day, this devotional, 30 31 decrees of blessing for men will reveal to you one of the ways God has blessed you as a son. There's a daily devotional about one of the ways God's blessed and empowered you as his son here in the earth. And then there are decrees where you can begin to frame that blessing in the spirit in your life. And then there's an activation so you can step out into it. So guys, get your copy of 31 decrees of blessing for men and get activated in the blessings and empowerment God has given you as his son in the earth. And you know, you can get these from our online store. I do believe right now they're, um, uh, they're being listed at barnesandnoble.com and christianbook.com. I found out today that you can get the ebook from Amazon, but they don't have their shipment of them in yet to get the actual hard copies. But we got our pallets in yesterday here, so you can go to our online store and order it. And it's going to be a great gift for Father's Day. So for any of our wonderful women out there watching, um, our anointed sisters, or any of you guys out there, 
there. Um, you're looking for something for your fathers or you're looking, women, you're looking for something for your fathers or for your husband to honor him on Father's Day. This would be a great gift. You can go to our store online, 31 Decrees of Blessing for Men, and get your copy shipped to you in time for Father's Day if you order probably this week or next week. Um, if you have any questions about that, as always, email me, robert at menonthefrontlines.com, and I'll send you the link. I'll get you all set up. Um, the other thing I want to make sure you know about, guys, is our Man Camp West Coast 2020 event is on the books. Um, it's up. The information page is up. All you have to do is go to menonthefrontlines.com, click the events link, and it'll take you to the information page. We're revamping menonthefrontlines.com right now. We're actually going to be launching a whole new site here pretty soon. So if by chance you catch it at a time when the web program and web designer are working on it and maybe it's not live or active, don't worry. It's there. But again, email me, robert at menonthefrontlines.com, and I'll send you the direct link to the events page, the information page about Man Camp West Coast 2020, because guys, you're going to want to be there. October 8th through 10th in Big Bear Lake, California. We have got, calling it a campground doesn't do it justice. It is a beautiful out, outdoor resort center. And um, there's uh, comfortable places to stay. There's wonderful meals three times a day. But most of all, it's a great chance to unplug from all the busyness and hectic of life. At this point, you are probably ready to be thinking ahead to being able to get out and connect with a great group of guys in the great outdoors. We're gonna have wonderful mentoring times, teaching times, worship times, fellowship times, activity times. It's going to be a really, really great time. So join me, join Brad Carter, join Ben Hughes, and join a bunch of really special guests for our Man Camp West Coast 2020 event, uh, Big Bear Lake, California, and that is October 8th through 10th. And as I said, email me, robert at menonthefrontlines.com if you have any questions or you want me to get you that link for all the information and where you can register. I'm told that we've got a commitment to almost half the spots already, so you're gonna wanna register soon to lock in your spot. And then finally, the last announcement I, want, I have for you is one we have every week. It's about my YouTube channel, Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel. One of the reasons we keep mentioning it is because we know that the majority of our viewership comes through our Facebook live streams and we love that and we're grateful that you're there. Be sure on Facebook as you're watching this on my public Facebook page or the Men on the Front Lines group page or Patricia's uh, Facebook page. Be sure to like and share, comment, let me know where you're watching from, share your thoughts, share your prayer requests. I go through after the shows, I go through all the comments on my page, on her page, on the Men on the Front Lines page. Uh, read everything you guys say, pray through everything you put there. We love hearing from you. We love your comments. We love when you like and share the videos. But we also know that a few days later or a week later, all that stuff gets moved down our pages and it's harder to find. So we're intentionally working to build the YouTube channel, the Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel, because then it's really easy for you to find whatever you want. There are dozens and even hundreds of free videos for you there, but we've got the Heroes Arise playlist, so you can go to Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel, click that playlist, that uh, Heroes Arise playlist, and all of a sudden you've got the 80 plus episodes of Heroes Arise right there. We've got playlists for um, my the shows I've done for God TV. We've got playlists of prophetic words or you can do a topic search. You go to my channel, and in the search screen, not the, 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 the main YouTube search, but in my little search bar on my channel, you type in a topic or one of my guests or something I've been discussing, and all the videos that have to do with it become really easy to find. So go to the Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified each
each week when we upload new content and like and share those videos. Help us build that channel. You are our outreach department to help build the channel. So thank you for your efforts on that. And then of course, as we've been mentioning every week, we've launched the Heroes Arise podcast. Now it's easier than ever to take Heroes Arise with you everywhere you go. Whether you are in a state where you're now, things are opening up and you can travel again, or if you are going from the laundry room, you're doing chores to the living room to, to do some reading, take Heroes Arise with you. Maybe you're going to the kitchen to do some dishes or something. Take Heroes Arise with you. You can listen to it every single week we upload a new podcast. If you're listening to us on the podcast right now, thank you. Thanks for discovering the podcast. And be sure to like and subscribe and share that as well because it does something to the algorithm that the more it's liked, the more it's shared, the more five-star reviews we get for the podcast, the easier it is for everyone to find it. It activates, the algorithm does something to make it even more easy to find. So both on the YouTube channel and the podcast, do me a favor, go to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts or whatever, search for my name or search for Heroes Arise and like and subscribe and share the podcast and do the same for Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel. All right. Let's get into part three of our Supernatural Power Tool series. You know, we started this whole thing by talking about, by going right back to quite literally the beginning, Genesis 1. When God makes us, he makes us in his image. He's a three-part being, and he makes us three-part beings. He makes us body, soul, and spirit. And when he's done making us in our three parts of body, soul, and spirit, he declares something amazing. He declares it is very good. Or in my old new living, he puts it this way. He saw that it was excellent in every way. Now, this is important because as we've been talking about um, uh, the first two weeks of this series is when God made us, body, soul, and spirit, and declared it, it were excellent in every way, that we're very good. He meant every part of it. Every part of us in relationship and in submission to God is very good and excellent in every way. And that includes the soul. And we don't get a lot of teaching about the divine supernatural power of the soul. We get teachings, really good teachings, on soul healing and the need for the soul to be whole. And that's true. We do need that. But one of the things I wanted to focus on in this series is when God created us in his image, a three-part being, created our soul, declared it was excellent in every way, declared it was very good. In the soul, he gives us three supernatural power tools that are actually one of the main ways we operate as dominion stewards in the earth and create atmospheres and shift darkness into light. The first week of the series, we talked about the supernatural power of your mind. And I encourage you, if you haven't seen that uh, episode yet, go to my YouTube channel. You can find it. It's right there. I actually think there's going to be a link in the description to this show of, that you can click on to see part one. Part two was all about the supernatural power tool of your will and the impact you have over all creation through the choices you make and how you can bring heaven to earth and live in the fullness of what God has given you through the choices you make, what you choose to th believe, what you choose, the choices you make. So your, your will was supernatural power tool number two. And this week we're coming to the third aspect of the soul, which is our third supernatural power tool. It's the divine power 
of your emotions. And again, we don't get a lot of teaching on the positive aspect of emotions. But when God made us in his image, he made us with emotions. He made us with feelings. Why? Because God has emotions. God has feelings. God th feels things deeply. And we are to feel things deeply as well. But we are to be able to rule our emotions, not to have our emotions rule us. We are to have dominion steward over our emotions because when we do, when we take dominion stewardship over that, that, that realm of our soul that are as emotions, it actually allows us to come into a place of, of allowing divine emotion in us. And you're going to see today, when we come into agreement with divine God-given emotions, it has radical impact for the kingdom in the earth. So let me start us off with this question. How are you feeling today? Did you get some really good news today that has you up and excited and happy? Or maybe you turned on the news today and you heard some reports about the whole COVID-19 thing or, or uh, that what, Dr. Fauci made this statement or somebody else made that statement. And you might be wrestling with a little either confusion because there's so many different things out there. The different sides seem to be saying different things all the time. What do we believe? What's true? Or maybe you're wrestling with a little fear or a little doubt or a little, little uh, consternation over it um, or a little despair over how long this has all been going on. Or perhaps you got up on the wrong side of the bed today and you just, you just feel kind of ornery today. Well, the reason I'm asking this is because we usually approach our emotions as the things that just happen or they're in response to our situation. If I got good news, I have good emotions. If I got bad news, I, I have not so great emotions. If I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, it's just what happened. It's just how I'm feeling. And today, if you get nothing more out of today's episode, I want you to catch this. Emotions are part of the realm of our soul. So we have dominion stewardship over them. But not, it's not just about take control of your soul, get your emotions under control. It's about realizing the supernatural power tool of our emotions, the divine opportunity we have being made in God's image when we do steward that realm and we do come into agreement with, with divine emotions, the impact that has, our ability to shatter darkness with light, to, to grab hold of the atmosphere of heaven and, and the joy of heaven and release that into the earth and see things changed. This is what Proverbs 29.11 says. It says, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Now, that doesn't mean a wise man doesn't have feelings. It means uh, a, 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 maybe a better way to translate this to illustrate our purposes today is a fool has no control over his emotions. A fool just vents. Whatever emotion comes up, he just lets it happen. No control. Hey, it's just how I feel. But a wise man stewards the realm of his emotions. Why? Because when God made us in his image, God made us to have feelings because God has feelings. God feels things deeply. We're to feel things deeply. Look at this. Probably the best known scripture in the entire Bible. Many unbelievers can quote it because they've heard it so many times. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave the gift of his only begotten son so none might perish and all might have eternal life. God loved the entire world. In the state that we were in, he still loved us. He is love and that love is who he is and that love is how he feels. And that love had radical impact for all people in all places for all time. Because God felt love, because God is love so deeply, so fully, so completely, he gave the gift 
of his only begotten son. This is the power of divine emotions. Divine emotion, love, split the Godhead so the son of God became the son of man so every son of man could become a son of God. That's how powerful divine emotions are. That's how the impact they can have over all creation or especially we see here with John 3.16, the radical kingdom impact it can have in creation for all people for all time in all places. Uh, Hebrews 12.2 says it was the joy, it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. It was joy set before him. We all have joy set before us because joy is, 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 is part of what God has blessed us with. Joy is part of the kingdom of God that's within us. The kingdom of God, we're told in Romans, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we're in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in us. We have joy in us. There is always joy set before us. And it was by choosing joy, by focusing on the joy, by thinking about the joy of being restored to relationship with you, getting everything, that the giving the Father everything that the Father wanted and getting everything that he would pay for at the cross, Jesus chose to be joyful about it, chose. I think that's even part of the revelation of when Jesus is wrestling in the garden as a man on our behalf, and he says, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And we talked about that in the supernatural power of your will, but he's also choosing then that I'm going to focus on the joy. This is challenging, this is a battle, but I'm going to focus on the joy. I'm going to focus on the good end result. I'm going to be filled emotionally, not just think about it, not just choose to do it, but let the full of my soul in that choice, in those thoughts that it's worth it, you're worth it, be filled with joy about it. And now the fullness of the soul realm, all three supernatural power tools are working and it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Jesus felt joy over going to the cross for you, not joy about going to the cross and enduring that, but joy for what it would bring. He focused on the end result and felt joy about that, and it fueled him. That's the power of supernatural divine emotions. It fueled him to do the impossible. And then think about this. In Luke 7, 11 through 17, we see the story of the widow of Nain. And here's where Jesus and the disciples are traveling and they come into the city of Nain. And what's the first thing they see? They see a funeral procession. And then they find out it's not only a funeral procession, it's a funeral procession for a widow who has lost her son. Not just a mother who's lost her son, but a widow. So here, the first thing they encounter in Nain is a, a funeral procession for a woman who's lost her son, a mom who's lost her son, but also a woman who has lost her husband, a widow, before she lost her son. This woman in the culture of the day is bereft. There's no one to care for her. There's no one to look after her. But what does it say? Jesus stewarded the realm of his soul as a man because it says his heart overflowed with compassion. He could have felt grief. He could have felt sadness. He could have felt despair. He could have felt melancholy. If those things tried to come at him, he shows us we push those away and we choose a divine emotion. We choose a God-given emotion. We choose an emotion from the atmosphere of heaven. We choose to allow compassion to arise. What happened? It says compassion. His heart overflowed with compassion. And when it did, he went and he, and he raised the widow named son from the dead. Do you see the power of your emotions? When we are willing to steward the realm of our emotions, when we're willing to say no to negative 
negative emotions, when we're willing to take those things captive and set them aside and not just say, well, that's just how I feel about it, or I just got up on the wrong side of the bed, or I've had some difficult things happen, so I have every right to be cranky and upset about it, or, or to be despondent or despairing. Jesus could have focused on the sadness and the despair of the situation, but he allowed his heart to overflow with compassion. And when he did, caring, compassion, it actually raised the widow, Na- the, 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 the widow of Nain's son from the dead. That is the power of the realm of our emotions when we steward them. We are to feel emotions and feel them deeply because God feels emotions and feels them deeply. But we are meant to rule our emotions. We are not meant for our emotions to rule us. We are dominion stewards in the earth, and we've talked about this. The first realm that we practice that dominion stewardship in is the realm of our soul, of our mind, of our will, of our emotions. We can choose what emotions we allow. Let's go back to our, our, our scripture for this show, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool doesn't steward the realm of his emotions. He just vents everything, but a wise man He stewards that realm. He holds back the negative emotions and he allows the divine emotions to flow. This is why it's important because our moods affect us. Our emotions affect us. Even secular scientists are showing and proving, this has been going on for quite some time, where secular scientists have done study done studies about our emotions and the effect they have on us physically and how our emotions can actually affect our physical body and physical health. I'm not going to go into great detail on it for a couple of reasons. One, I'm no expert. I am not a scientist. I am not a doctor. But when I was writing my book, Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions, I have an entire chapter in here about the power of your emotions going into way more detail than I'm able to on the show. But if you want to know more about it, get this book and dig into the chapter on the power of your emotions because it will help you unlock and give you ways to step into it, to steward and unlock that so you can operate in the supernatural power of your emotions. But when I was doing research for that chapter, I found all sorts of stuff online. And all you need to do is go and do an internet search about the impact of emotions on health. And there's lots of different opinions, but there is a consensus that when we allow positive emotions, when we choose to let ourselves be filled with positive emotions, it has a positive impact on us. Um, so science is proving that our emotions can actually impact our health. If you want simple proof of the impact of your emotions, look in the mirror. What do I mean by that? I mean on a day when you are stewarding your emotions and you're allowing yourself to be filled with godly, divine emotions of hope and faith and joy and compassion and peace, you look in the mirror, what are you going to see? You're going to be upright. There's probably a smile on your face. There's probably light in your eyes. Your spine is probably straighter. You're probably more upright and, and you look more powerful. You look more engaged. Now contrast that to a day when you're not stewarding the realm of your emotions and you are allowing yourself to be beset by dark moods and negative moods. What are you going to see? You're going to see yourself in the mirror, probably quite literally downcast. There's probably a, a forward bent to your spine and to your head. Your, your, the, the, the corners of your mouth are probably turned down in a frown. Your brow is probably furrowed. So you see Moods have a physical effect on us. We can see the effect of a, mood on a, of a mood on our physical body simply in our posture, the look on our face. Well, moods are so powerful. What we need to understand, remember Matthew 16 that we talked about in part one and part two. In that, Jesus is saying, hey, once you know I'm Messiah, 
Once you understand how to hear truth from heaven, no matter what the report of your situation or your word is, I can't go into this in great detail, but go back to part one where I teach into it a lot. Go back to part two where I review it in more detail. But Jesus is showing us that this is the revelation that I will build my church upon. It will be the rock. It'll be the foundation, knowing I'm Messiah. And in that, as Messiah, knowing you can hear truth from heaven. You can ignore the report of the world. You can ignore the report of your situation. You can hear from your heavenly father. Father, what is heavenly divine truth in this situation? And as you choose to focus on that, it becomes the foundation the church is built upon. The gates of hell will not prevail. Strongholds of the enemy, strongholds of, of his minions, strongholds of darkness will be shattered when we choose to do this. And one of the ways we do it is through the realm of our emotions because he says when we're doing this, we become gates. He's saying what we come into agreement with, when we agree with the truth of heaven, it's loosed into the earth. What has been bound in heaven will be bound in the earth. What has been loosed from heaven will be loosed into the earth. So when we come into agreement with those divine emotions, those godly emotions, those emotions that are filled with light and love and life, the emotions of hope, the emotions of joy, the emotions of mercy and compassion, it not only affects us like we could see in the mirror, but it affects the whole wide world because we're releasing that out. So we can actually impact people and atmospheres around us through the supernatural power tool of our emotions. So not only are we affected where we are positive and filled with hope and light and expectation and strength or downcast and bummed out and a dark cloud we will release that out into every atmosphere where we go. Matthew 16 tells us we are gates. So whatever we allow place in us will ultimately, ultimately be released out into the world. Let's go back to, the, to, to um, Luke 7 and the story of Jesus in Nain. I want to emphasize, it doesn't say his heart was filled with compassion. It doesn't even say he feels compassion. It says he, his heart overflowed with compassion. That's in my old New Living in Luke 7. I love that translation because it's so illustrative. It's so descriptive that when Jesus chose to allow his heart to be filled with compassion, his heart then overflowed with compassion. And what happened? Death was defeated. A widow who had been in despair and despondent, all of a sudden hope returns, her son returns, her situation completely turns around because what we allow in us, including in our emotional realm, gets released out in the atmosphere. And when we understand the supernatural power tool of our emotions and we're willing to partner with Holy Spirit to help us steward that internal realm of our soul of emotions, not only does it change things for us, but it changes things out in the world. Our emotions can help create atmospheres of light and life and love or of darkness and despair. You ever notice how like negative people will draw negative people to them or people who complain a lot, they will draw people to them who like to complain? It's because you're creating an atmosphere. It's no different than if you choose to be positive and hopeful. It will shift an atmosphere and you'll start drawing positive, hopeful people to you and you'll start drawing positive, hopeful things to you as well. But one of the things I want to share with you is if by chance your, your you know, Holy Spirit is highlighting, she's like, yeah, I do that a lot. I, I give in to negative emotions and darkness and I murmur and I complain and I give in to bitterness or offense or any of that. I want you to know simply seeing it 
is a huge step towards victory because once you see it, then you can get in prayer. You can get with God and say, Lord, I see that I'm doing this. Awareness is the first step to walking in victory because now you're saying, even if it's a wrestle at first, because it's like it's like muscles or, you know, you, you, you work yourself into a bad habit. Well, the way you work yourself out of it is by making the right choice again and again and again until a new groove is made in the brain, a new habit is developed in you, and you'll do the same thing with your emotions. Simply ask Holy Spirit to help you see when you start to go down that place of giving giving place to the dark emotions, the negative emotions, the ungodly emotions, and then say, okay, help me shift. And I'll tell you one of the easiest ways to do it is begin to praise God. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That'll help shift things because when we praise God, we are joining in with the angels all around his throne, praising him. And so we are agreeing with the atmosphere of heaven because the atmosphere of heaven's praise. And that'll shift things because then by faith, we're coming into his presence. And what's in his presence? The fullness of joy. So even that will begin to shift things. And I want to give you grace because you're going to be learning how to do this. And I can't emphasize this enough. You are not failing when you catch yourself giving place to negative emotions, whether that's after 10 seconds or it's after 10 days. If you catch yourself in it, well done, way to go. You are on your way to walking in victory and understanding the supernatural power tool of your emotions and seeing things shift. All right, so we talked about whatever we allow uh, place in us will ultimately be released out into the world. And the good news is we can break from a pattern of negativity and change things. And I want to highlight one other great testimony, biblical testimony of this. Think of Paul and Silas in Acts 16. Here they are, they're out preaching the gospel, they're out doing the stuff, they're out putting the kingdom on display, they're out making Jesus famous, and what happens? The witch girl comes alongside them and says the right thing, but in the wrong heart, they deal with it, they cast the spirit out of her, they're doing something good, they're preaching the gospel, they're delivering somebody who is possessed by a wicked spirit. What happens? They get thrown in jail for it. How unfair, how not cool, what a bummer. But what do they do? They don't focus on how it's unjust or unfair. They don't focus on the negativity. In prison, they start praising God. They start worshiping God. And something amazing happens. They choose to steward the realm of their soul and specifically the realm of their emotions. They don't let despondency, despair, depression come on them. They don't let bitterness or offense come on them of, God, how could you let this happen? All we were doing was preaching the gospel. All we were doing was that you told us to do and we end up in jail. This isn't right. This isn't fair. Oh, bummer, bummer, dark cloud bummer. No, they refuse that. They focus on God. They focus on the goodness of God and his ability to turn all things to the good. They, like like Jesus going to the cross, it says, was the joy set before them. I believe that they did something similar. They chose hope, expectation, joy. God, what are you going to do? God, I know you're good even in this. God, I can't wait to see what I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with expectation. And what happened? They start praising God. They start worshiping God. Their chains come off. An earthquake comes. God, God, God hits the place in power. Their chains come off. All the cells open up. Everybody gets set free. Check that as a prophetic image. 
when we choose to, to steward the realm of our soul and we come to understand the supernatural power tool of allowing place to godly emotions in us of joy and compassion and all the things we're talking about, then not only does it set us free from darkness, but it sets others free. All the prisoners' cells opened. All those in captivity were set free. The jailer, he actually ends up getting radically saved and revival breaks out at his house. Why? Because Paul and Silas chose to steward the realm of their emotions and they chose to be dominion stewards over that emotional realm and it impacted all of creation all around them. All right. One other thing I want to say before we get into a couple of emotions that I want to make sure you're, you're, you're on the lookout for. One of the things with this is as we're learning to steward this realm, here's, here's a way to look at it. Think about it like going to the grocery store. Now, follow me on this. When you go to the grocery store, you get in the grocery store, you've got your cart. You can go around. You can put whatever you want in the grocery, into your grocery cart. You have a choice. You can go to uh, the produce section and get some organic broccoli or some organic spinach or maybe some organic tomatoes or some organic grapes or organic apples, things that will give you fiber, things that will give you nutrition things that are healthy. You can put those things in your cart. That's a good choice. Or you could go over to the bakery aisle and fill up your cart with Twinkies. You can do that. You can choose to put Twinkies in your cart. That would not be a great choice. That would not be a healthy meal. That would not serve you well. Well, it works very similarly with your emotions, especially when you think, okay, maybe you filled your cart up with Twinkies. But you're, before you get to the checkout, you can stop and go, you know, that wasn't really a good choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I'm going to take the Twinkies out of my cart, and I'm going to put them back on the shelf. Or maybe you get to the checkout. But as you're putting the Twinkies out, you can say, you know what? Don't ring these up. I don't want these Twinkies. This wasn't a great choice. I'm going to put them back. Or maybe you've gone through checkout and you're putting them in your car. You can stop right there and go, what am I doing? I just bought three bagfuls of Twinkies. I don't want these. I'm taking them back into the store. I'm returning them. I don't want this. Or maybe you take them off the shelf. You put them in your cart. You go through checkout. You put them in your car. You go home. You put them on your shelf. Maybe as you're putting them on your shelf, you're going, what am I thinking? I don't want a diet of Twinkies for the next three days. This isn't a good choice. You can throw them out or you can take them back to the store. What I'm getting at is anywhere along the way, you could realize this was not a great choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of these. This is not what I'm filling my cart with. It works the same way with our emotions. Now, it's very easy to say, hey, fill your emotional cart with joy. Fill your emotional cart with, with hope. Fill your emotional cart with all that, with compassion, with mercy, with forgiveness, with joyful expectation. It's easy to say, but let's get real. As we go through this process and learn to break wrong patterns, sometimes they're, they're family patterns, what I want you to see is recognizing it is part of the victory. Just like anywhere along the way, you can take those Twinkies out of your cart, you can do the same thing with anger. You can do the same thing with depression. You can do the same thing with fear. Once you realize you're in it, you stop and go, wait a minute. I don't want to respond to this situation with fear. I'm not putting that in my cart. Or maybe you've been in fear for a little while over what's going on in the world, but now you're realizing, and you realize, well, I took it off the shelf, put it in my cart, went through, checked through, brought it home. But you know what? I'm taking it out of the cupboard, and I'm throwing it away. I don't want that anymore. You have that 
power. You say, this is not my portion. Lord, your word says your perfect love casts out all fear. So I'm getting rid of fear and I'm focusing on you and I'm focusing on your perfect love. Let that fill me up. Let love fill me up. Let joy fill me up. Let compassion fill me up. Let hopeful expectation fill me up. Oh, yes, God. Now, as you learn to do this, there will be moments where it'll be easy. And there'll be other moments where you feel like, well, I did it. And I received that by faith and nothing seemed to shift. It did shift because you are dominion steward over the soul realm. And as you learn to do this and partner with Holy Spirit, who's Paracletos, he will come along beside you. He will mentor you. He will, he will even comfort you. He'll even help make it easier. He'll take away. If the enemy tries to put guilt, shame, or condemnation on you, he's going to say, uh-uh, I'm here to comfort you. I'm proud of you that you saw this. I'm proud of you that you're taking fear or anger out of your cart or off your shelf. I'm proud of you that you're circling back around and now what you're going to take off the shelf is hope or joy or love or compassion. Think of it like that. Anywhere along the way, you can take that negative emotion, cast it down, give it to the Lord and partner with Holy Spirit to see it replaced with the divine emotion that will not only shift and change things in you, it'll shift and change things in the earth. So with that in mind, the last thing I want to do is I want to talk about some key emotions to guard against or to be on the lookout. If you've put them in your cart, these are some of the, the key ones. You wanna go, oh, I see it now, it was in my cart, I see it now, I took it home, I see it now, it's in the cupboard, and I'm gonna chuck it out, I'm gonna put it back on the shelf, I'm gonna return it. Number one, fear. Fear's kind of the granddaddy of all the negative emotions. It goes back to Genesis 3 when we fell in the garden. Remember, um, God says to Adam, Adam, where are you? God knew exactly where Adam was. He wanted Adam to realize where he was. And Adam says, I was hiding because I was afraid. So what God wanted Adam to see is because you chose to separate from me, you are now separated, hiding, and afraid. So fear is always an indication that in that situation that we're, we're experiencing fear in, we're choosing to respond with fear in, ultimately it is an indication that we have chosen to separate from God. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm saying something in us, we have decided, I'm not going to trust God. I'm not going to trust in God's goodness. I'm not going to trust in his word. I'm not going to trust that he can turn this thing around. So and when you catch yourself in fear, the one of the things I'll do is I'll say, Lord, I repent of giving place to fear. I don't want to be separated from you, in, from you in this situation. I want you fully in it. I want you engaged in every part of this situation. I trust you. I know you're good. I know you're good in this. I come into agreement with the fullness of your goodness in this and that you're well able to turn things around. Even in this set of circumstances, you can turn it all to the good. And then all of a sudden what happens is I'm getting very active and intentional about, uh, about uh, taking fear out of my cart, putting it back on the shelf. And as I focus on God and who he is and what he's like, and then I want him in this situation. He's the Lord Almighty. He's the Lord invincible in battle. He's the King of glory. That all of a sudden, even focusing on that, light comes. And a lightness comes where there was a heaviness. And hope comes where there was fear. And faith comes where there was anxiety. And all of a sudden, not by your might, not by your power, but by cooperating with the Word of God, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden that shift happens. So be on the lookout for fear. Be sure to cast that down. Number two, anger. Anger is usually a symptom of fear. And here's the lie about anger. 
Anger is the anger lies to us by telling us it's it's power. Usually, where we will feel anger is when we feel like we have no control over a situation. We may feel it's unfair. We may feel it's unjust, and so we give place to anger because it, we we buy into the lie that anger is power. It makes us feel powerful in the moment, but it's not power. Anger is simply um, a lie of power, so we have to cast that down so we can allow divine emotions to fill us, which is true power. And that begins with, like we've already talked about, inviting God into the situation. Because this isn't going to turn around by my might or my power. So I have, I have my friends, Ben and Jody Hughes, always say, hey, when you realize in a situation you have no might or no power, celebrate, because the Holy Spirit does. Not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. If there's something you couldn't turn around, realize it wasn't your job to do it in your might or power anyways. Holy Spirit wants to turn it around for you. The anger of God does not achieve, or the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So even if in that moment anger makes you feel powerful, realize it's a negative emotion, it's not going to achieve God's purposes, but shift into a divine emotion. Ask Holy Spirit to help you shift into a divine emotion. Focus on God, focus on who He is, get hopeful in His ability to turn things around, um, get into that place of joy-filled faith that God is more powerful in the situation, and you don't need to operate in your power or the false power of anger. You can operate in the joyful hope of God invading the situation and turning things around. Think about the Apostle John, uh, John the Beloved. He started out, remember, as a son of thunder. Jesus called him and his brothers sons of thunder. Why? Because they wanted to respond with anger in a situation they thought was unfair when the Samaritans would not receive them in the village. They said, should we call down fire on those nasty Samaritans who wouldn't receive us? And Jesus says, hey, you don't know what spirit you're of right now because I didn't come to destroy man. I came to save man. And so don't operate in anger. Being a son of thunder is not going to help you. But he kept mentoring them in this. Like we talk about, this is a process. But obviously the apostle John learned this, and he became a steward of his emotions, because what did he become known for? He became known as the apostle of love. And when, he's the, when he was the apostle of love, the victorious risen Lord then trusted him with the corrective words to the churches, because he knew that John was not going to bring them in anger as a son of thunder. He was going to bring them in love as the apostle of love, because now that he steward the realm of his emotions, he, the, the, the Lord knew he could trust these words with him, because not only the words he was declaring Declaring, but the emotional realm, the supernatural power tool of his emotions, because he chose love in those situations, not to punish those who needed correction like the Samaritans, but to care about them, to have compassion for them, to love them, knowing God had good things for them. He knew that that would help shift things for the seven churches. So that's how we deal with anger. Number two, disappointment, or I'm sorry, number three, disappointment. The, the danger of disappointment is right there in the word. Disappointment actually dis appoints you. It takes, it, it takes you out of your appointment as a divine steward in the earth, a, a, a dominion steward operating in divine authority. Once you give into those negative emotions, you're no longer releasing light into the earth, you're releasing darkness. So when you're disappointed, remember that um, usually we get disappointed because what we thought would happen when we thought it would happen didn't happen. And what we're doing is we're putting our hope and our expectation in our understanding and our timeline. 
So when you feel disappointment, let it go and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I was demanding that you do things my way according to my timeline in a way that I would recognize. And God, I'm actually choosing to be excited right now. I got disappointed because I didn't understand what you were doing or how it was going to come about. But now what I'm realizing is I'm not disappointed. I'm hopeful and I'm excited because what this all means is you're up to something greater than my ability to understand, greater than my ability to see. You're up to something exceedingly abundantly beyond my ability to ask, think, or comprehend. This is exciting. So there's no reason to be disappointed. I tell people all over the world, if God hasn't met our expectations, that's only for one reason. It's because he's going to exceed them. Now, I want to tell you the truth. I have wrestled with disappointment over things, but what I do is exactly what I describe. I, I allow Holy Spirit to show me. I repent of it, and I say, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to be a better steward of my emotional realm. And yeah, this didn't go the way I thought it would, but what that that means, God, is you're up to something beyond my ability to understand. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. And then all of a sudden now we're in that place of hope, joyful expectation, and that shifts the atmosphere here. It starts to shift things here. And all of a sudden that thing, which seems so impossible, starts to shift and become very possible. All right, two more I want to focus on quickly before we close. Offense. Uh, I remember when I first started in ministry, what, almost 16 years ago now, one of the things Patricia, my mentor, told me was nothing will take you out of your calling quicker than offense. And she told me something I have to remember over and over and over again. It's so good. Offense can be given, but it doesn't have to be taken. And what that means is... Just because somebody did something offensive, that's between them and God. You don't have to take offense because they did something offensive. If you take offense, what does it do? Think about it. Here's a good word picture for you. Offense creates offense. When we choose to take offense, we are, uh, we are creating offense. In other words, we're getting um, defensive. We're, we, are, we are choosing to disengage. We're choosing to withdraw. Because that person who did the offensive thing, maybe God allowed them in their lives because we're going to be their breakthrough. We're going to choose to love them no matter what, like Jesus loved us no matter what. We're going to choose not to take offense. Even if we have to establish a boundary for a period of time, make sure you don't take offense, but continue to love them, continue to care about them, continue to pray and contend for them, because that brings you back into that place of power and that, that, that divine place where, like, Jesus did for us. So be on the lookout for offense. The key with offense is, remember, if something offensive is done, you don't have to take offense. Offense can be given but it doesn't have to be taken because as soon as you wall yourself off, you're outside of that place of God's love and all the positive emotions that will shift things for you, shift things for them, shift things in the earth. And then the very last one I want to talk about is be on the lookout for self-pity. Self-pity, unfortunately, I know this from experience. Well, actually, fortunately, I know this from experience because I know it can be overcome. One of the things God had to help me with when I was a Christian, when I was a new Christian, was he had to show me. And then when I was going through all the challenges with my health that went on year after year after year, God had to help me with this again because I had given into self-pity. And I remember having an encounter with God and the Lord was speaking to me about being a better dominion steward over my soul realm and specifically my emotions. And I asked him, where haven't I done that? And he said, you've given into self-pity. Now, here's how 
seductive self-pity can be. I did not immediately go, oh, God, yeah, I see it. Thank you. I argued with the Lord. I tried to convince him how pitiful myself. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not seen what's been going on? These are pretty pitiful circumstances. And that's when he helped me see how seductive self-pity is because to our flesh, to our carnal nature, self-pity seems like a rational response when things are difficult or unfair or unjust. But self-pity is a trap. Self-pity is selfishness. And it's catching us up in ourself as opposed to in who we truly are in Christ. In that, think of um, the, the disciples in John 20, and this combines fear and self-pity. They were locked up because they were afraid of what the the uh, the the um, Sanhedrin would do to them, what the what what the the people in authority were going to do to them, like they did to Jesus. They didn't understand what was going on, so they're in fear, they're in self-pity, they're probably in disappointment and anger and offense because they've given up everything to follow this rabbi who they thought was the Messiah, but nothing went how they thought it would. What does Jesus do? He steps through the walls, both literally and metaphorically, and says, peace be unto you. That word peace, you've heard me teach on before, it's irene in the Greek, and one of its translations is this, the blessed state of a devout and upright man after death. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, here's your key in situations like this. In any of these, but especially in self-pity, that can feel like such a rational response. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. Why? Because then you come fully alive in me. Then you become fully who you are, made in my image, made in my nature. You become the fullness of your divine self. You operate in your supernatural power tools, and things will shift for you. Things will shift in the earth. I'll close on self-pity with this. When I was a new Christian, I heard Joyce Meyer say something I've never forgotten. She said, you can be pitiful or you can be powerful. You can't be both. And when we give place to self-pity, we're basically laying down our power. Our power to steward the realm of our emotions. Our power to take those negative things out of the cart and put self-pity back on the shelf and then operate in who we truly are in Christ. Operate and give place to positive, divine, heavenly emotions, and then let that change the atmosphere in us and through us change the atmosphere in the earth. So supernatural power tool number three is the power of your emotions. As I said, all three of the power tools, my book, Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions, it will show you in even greater detail how to unlock the supernatural realm of your soul and see the, the keys that God has given us, the tools God has given us to live in the more of God that he has given us through the finished work of the cross. So thank you so much for being with me again this week. That supernatural power tool number three, you can see all three of these episodes on my YouTube channel. If you want to go back and review them, take some notes. Um, don't forget Man Camp, October 8th through 10th, West Coast, Big Bear Lake, California. You can get more information either by going to menonthefrontlines.com and clicking on events, or you can email me, robert at menonthefrontlines.com. And 31 Decrees of Blessing for Men, hot off the presses, great gift for Father's Day. Men, get this book. Those, the ladies watching, get this book for a man in your life. Um, every day they'll be reminded of one of the ways God has, has blessed them and empowered them as his sons in the earth and they will arise as the heroes they were created to be. Thanks so much for being with me again this week. I will see you back here next Wednesday for another Heroes Arise.